Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear up there, all black and brown and covered in hair. <laughs> Ned well, Burns. I thought this was crossing swords. <laughs> I heard some like giggles. So I was thinking about crossing swords. <laughs> I was thinking it. <laughs> uh, so I am a lot, Lady of Tarth Typhon posts on Tumblr. Joining tonight with Eon. Hi, this is Eon. I'm Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. And Chicky. Hey, this is Chicky. I'm Chickren on Tumblr. Guile and Subterfuge. This is Guile. I'm Guile and Subterfuge on Tumblr. Hey, Whitey. Hi, this is YD, and I'm Yellow Delaney on Tumblr. Okay, so um, spoiler warnings in full effect. We will spoil everything. Again, I can't remember if there's any rape discussion in this episode, but I'm just giving it every time. There may be... Let's just assume there is. Yeah, there may be rape discussion. Okay, so there's a trigger warning. And uh, we're going over Game of Thrones, Season 1. Episode four. Uh, we open up with a shot of Bran, and he's doing some archery, and he's walking. And you're like, "Whoa, how'd that happen?" Oh, it's a dream sequence. It's a miracle. <laughs> it's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> <laughs> so he's following. Chekhov's a... legs never happened. <laughs> <laughs> he's following a raven down to the crypts, and it has three eyes. He awakes. Uh, Nan is at his bedside. Theon comes in, um, calls her an old bat, and then Hodar is summoned in. He's ordered to help Bran down to the hall, where Tyrion is. Um, Rob, young Rob, is not too friendly to Tyrion, um, and Tyrion tries to question Bran a little bit. Uh, He also gives Bran some hope in the form of a drawing schematic for a saddle, so that he can maybe ride horseback again. Tyrion tells Rob he'll find a bed at the whorehouse. He's, he's feeling kind of frosty. Um, outside, we get an exchange between Tyrion and Theon. And uh, Theon tells him to look for a red-headed whore named Ross. They both like redheads, apparently. Uh, Tyrion figures out that Catelyn isn't in Winterfell. And then we learn a little more about Theon's backstory here in this segment than that he's a captive. And I kind of liked all these, like rewatching this. So there's a lot about Theon that I didn't really pick up on the first watch. What do you guys mm-hmm. think? There's actually a lot yeah. of Greyjoy in this episode. They worked there's... in a lot of exposition about them. Mm-hmm. What, yeah, what I really like. You go ahead, Theon. Oh, I just really like that one little scene whenever Theon comes into Bran's room and Summer perks up and he starts growling at Theon. And it's almost like a foreshadowing that something Theon's going to do something to the Starks later on in summer senses it how did I miss that I yeah I like it <laughs> good I like it that they set up they set up the Bran and Theon relationship fairly well on the show you know I mean we're gonna see more of it obviously in season two but it's kind of good that they're they're showing what that dynamic is early yeah. Yeah. As as you were saying earlier too, Chicky, this is there is a lot of setup for the sort of grey joy and obviously Theon's uh betrayal later on because we've got the 
the Tyrion and Theon scene here and then later on I think in the Jamie and Jory scene they also refer back to the the siege of Pike, was it? Which is pretty much the the last battle in the Greyjoy Rebellion. So there is a fair amount of uh, Greyjoy information that's put into this episode. Yep. Mm. yep. Um, so, and I love that they did this Tyrion and Theon scene too. It's a, it's just another one of those like Jamie and John. It's just like such a fanboy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Let's have Tyrion and and Theon have a scene together. This will be funny. Yeah. What a battle. <laughs> Listening to the commentary, um, the commentary was with, I think, Kit Harrington and, and Brian Cogman, uh, and they were talking about how this scene was written really late in the in the season, and it was pretty much solely included because they needed to put in some of that background on Theon's story. Um, they did actually talk mm. about how it was a cool little scene as well with the sort of antagonistic nature of it. Yeah, mm. I liked it. I liked the Greyjoy bit. Yeah. Okay. So was this our first Hodor? It was. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah, it was. It was oh, that best Hodor appearance. Huh. Yeah, you're right. That's a good catch. <laughs> oh. I felt like he didn't do a very good job. I'm just going to say. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, you kind of wanted to when he said You kind of wanted to say once more with feeling. Yeah. I feel like he was, yeah. you know. He had one job. You had one job, Hodor. Had one job. One job. I you got one really, word. Yeah, I could really detect the accent in that the Hodor. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to your vocal coach. We're just joking. You did a great job on your hodors. Okay. Totally. Castle Black. Um, Samuel Tarly uh, has arrived and he's entering the yard and he's announces he's come to take the black and then he's thoroughly thrashed by the others. Um, he ends up crumpled on the ground and crying. Alistair mm-hmm. Thorne is, orders him to be hit until he stands up. And that's when John steps in and stops the abuse. Uh, John protects Sam from being hit anymore. And Pip and Gren, um, they don't really want to. They they, kind of listen to John already. You can see that John's had an influence on them. But um, Rast, it's Rast, right? Yes, Rast. Yeah, Yeah, he goes, you know, right back at him. Um, But John makes short work of them. And then um, Sam introduces himself and admits that he's a coward, and he thanks John for sticking up for him. I think they did a really you know, good job with Sam's introduction in this scene. I oh think yeah. John Bradley does a spectacular job with Sam, actually. Um, and I, you know, I think they do a really good job with making Sam seem really rather pathetic, but also still really likable. And I feel like that is kind of the essence yeah. of, of Sam from the books. Yeah, totally. That's what I was about to say. I really love John Bradley's portrayal of Sam. He really captures Sam's, you know, fear and innocence and just inherent goodness whenever he plays yeah. Sam. And it's Sam. Yeah. yeah. Anybody want to add anything else before we go on to the Dothraki? Oh, no, I'm excited. Let's go to the Dothraki. Okay. I think Giles is pretty <laughs> excited to move on. Okay, so we're Giles at- excited. <laughs> Vast Dothrak. My reputation precedes me. <laughs> <laughs> so we're at Vast Dothrak, um, and Viserys is not impressed. He's dragging in. Um, I don't even know. Doria. Doria, right? That's Doria. Yeah. Doria. 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 Yeah, Doria. Doria. Yeah. Dorito. I don't know. Dorito. Dorito. Actually, I think I just jumped my notes by a whole lot. Yeah, I think we're in a different scene. Yeah, I like. <laughs> oh, really? anticipated, I, I anticipated that was coming up, but no, that's yeah. another part. Anyway, we're at a part with Danny and Jorah, and 
Um, she asks him if they had an army, would her brother conquer the seven kingdoms? Jorah tells her Robert would meet them on the field, um, but the men advising him are different. And then we learn that Jorah has sold slaves to make money for his wife with expensive tastes. Oh, damn, those women, they're horrible, aren't they? God, it's always it's always now, the chicken ball, right? That was my thought. And now she's in another place with another man, so clearly yeah. it didn't work. What a anyway. bitch. <laughs> what a <laughs> bitch. Um, <laughs> and I like you kind of get the first little um, inklings of, I guess, Danny's feelings towards her strong feelings that are soon to emerge about slaves and slavery because she's she's not particularly impressed when Jorah tells her why he sold slaves. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a different reaction than Jorah got from Viserys a couple of episodes. Viserys, who's like, hey, when I'm king, all the slaves, all of them. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Viserys, um, in the next scene, he's with Doria in a bath, and they're discussing dragons and the brave men from Valyria that I guess came to Westeros. Um, Doria has seen a lot, apparently. She speaks of a man from a shy with dragon glass, uh, a man with changing faces, and then a pirate who wore his weight in gold, and he had colored silk sails. So much exposition in this episode. I mean, they yeah. were just cramming it in everywhere. Yeah. This was a, a huge, what you would call, sex position scene. This is the um, definition I, of sex position, right? <laughs> right, right. And it just, honestly, to me, I understand perhaps wanting to include more about the, you know, Tard dynasty and the dragons and the fact that the dragons, you know, they actually existed and they they were ridden by brave men. And But I feel like this scene dragged on for entirely too, ro- too long. I'm not going to even go into the fact that, you know, we're ha- they're having sex while they're talking about dragons. Right. <laughs> no. Um, and, YD, I'm just going to say, if you were a dude, you would not think that. And I'm thinking that this scene right here in season one is paying for dragons in season seven. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm totally not going to disagree with you. Um, I did. I got to say, I did enjoy the fact. I did catch a little thing, which was when um, they've got candles all around them. It's a nice romantic candlelit bath, really. And we've got Daria um, dripping some of the candle wax onto Viserys, which is kind of like a little prelude to the molten crown he gets in a few episodes. I yes. quite enjoyed Aww. that. Yep. And he said, "Ouch!" <laughs> yeah. So he's no dragon. Ouch. I did want to give out a shout out to Kama because she did notice that um, there was one of the dragons that Viserys talked about was named Vermithrax. And apparently Vermithrax was the name of the dragon in the, in this 1980s film called Dragon Slayer. And it's really a good movie if anybody wants to see it. But the dragon in that movie is named Vermithrax and they use that name cool. here. Yeah, that's cool. Tidbit. Cool. That is cool. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so as you mentioned, Viserys talks about the dragon skulls in the throne room, and he talks about, well, I kind of like this story, the thought of him strolling down the throne room and naming his father, the Mad King, would uh, quiz mm-hmm. him on the different names of all the dragons. Uh, apparently, Vermithrax was one of them. <laughs> and, uh, well, it sounds like some sort of contagious disease. Yeah, Vermithrax. Or like a, <laughs> some kind of antibiotic or something. <laughs> or a heavy metal band. Thank you. 
<laughs> yeah, <true. laughs> either of those things I, I would believe <laughs> um, and yeah. apparently this starts getting Doria really hot because they start you know kind of uh, fucking fucking yeah. is the doing term it. <laughs> they start yeah. doing, doing it, it. <laughs> no <laughs> just kidding <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and then Viserys flips coins as it were and uh, he turns on her and he he's upset because she's asking you know well what happened to the dragons and he He's like, well, what did I buy you for? To make me sad. I really like that. <laughs> you had one job, Doria. One job. <laughs> well, apparently she thought her job was to teach Danny how to do it. <laughs> but no. He that calls finishing her. finishing move for Mortal Kombat. Yeah. <laughs> he calls Finish her. him. Finish him. He calls her a pretty little idiot. And then awkward sex uh, continues. Oh, <laughs> uh, the end of that sex scene is so uncomfortable for me to watch. He's basically just put her in her place, and it's, re- I don't know, it's really awkward. I did not enjoy that. Yeah, girl's a pro, though. She got right back on it, so. True. Like, she's literally <laughs> she, she, she got right back on the horse. Yeah, yeah. Or the dragon. The dragon. The dragon. Vermithrax. His Vermithrax. Okay. <laughs> King's Landing. Uh, we have Sansa strolling the throne room with Scepter Mordain. Um, they are uh, talking about Sansa being the queen and birth. What the hell did I just write? <laughs> she wonders about what would happen if she only had girls, if uh, her and Joffrey were married. And she thinks everyone would hate her. And then she thinks Joffrey hates her. Sansa tells her Septa to shut up about the wolves when she tries to bring them up. And uh, when Septa Mordain attempts to switch gears and talk about um, the histories of Westeros, Sansa asks about the murder of her grandfather and uncle that happened in the throne room. She wants to know why they were killed. Mordain tells her to speak to her father. She refuses and she's still mad about, you know, the death of lady. I thought this Aren't was a all? neat little yeah. scene. It's kind of, oh, never forget, never forgive. Um, this is a scene where Sansa is, to me, really realising the predicament that she's in um, or showing that she's she's coming to <laughs> coming to that realisation. She knows she's going to have to marry this sociopath. She's going to have to bear him sons. This is not the place of Sansa's dreams where she's the pretty princess queen beloved by all. This is the place where her grandfather and her uncle were murdered. Um, and I think she realises she's not safe here. You know, she asks her scepter why her grandfather and her uncle were killed. And you think she's probably thinking, you know, could this happen to me? Is this going to happen to me? And she must be so frightened now. Yeah, it's definitely the beginning of the, the shattering of her illusions and... Yeah, and I think that's a, it's a, oh, you do. I think it's a kind of running theme in this episode as well, because, um, you know, later on as well, you really do see Sam's a kind of battling with her idealism and you realise it's just kind of all falling away now. Mm-hmm. And a little bit with the scene with Jamie too, you, it's kind of that same theme is carrying through with him, but we'll get to that. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, the next scene is a small council meeting and um, news of the hands tournament um, has the city watch and Jano slint not to uh, they're overtaxed. They there's a lot going on. And I like friendly's comment that, you know, maybe he's not the one to do the job and they could get someone better. 
Slint ignores him and then tells Ned he needs more men. Ned orders 50 more guards, tells Baelish that he'll pay for it. Um, and then he offers 20 more of his own guards. Um, Baelish is happy. The tournament is going through, and then he has this line about bow-legged whores, and he says that so gleefully. <laughs> He's so gross. He does. <laughs> he is. Uh, they dismiss, and then Ned uh, stops Pycelle and then asks him a little bit about John Aaron. Um, and they talk about how he died, and apparently he went fast. Um, Ned wants to know what John wanted of Pycelle, and uh, he tells them there was a book, and it was a boring book, Histories of the Great Houses. So that's the end of that. Um, do you want to mention, talk about anything? Yeah, more of this. Well, it's just uh, uh, more about the, the Pycelle and Ned scene that they're they're following this whole thread of John here. <laughs> it's so funny how there's just no satisfaction for this story, really. <laughs> especially in the show. I mean, it's almost as bad in the books, but... It's funny how they really they really do take it seriously. I feel like this is just like such a, a weird MacGuffin, and it is interesting that they follow it all the way. You know, what happened to John Aaron? We're going to do a bunch of detective work, blah, blah, blah. And then it's all going to just fall flat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Just continue on a little bit with that scene. Um, Ned asks if, you know, John said anything before he died. And, you know, he said, he said the seed is strong. Um mm-hmm. Ned asks if John died of natural illness and suggests poison. Pycelle doesn't think it's likely. And, you know, they talk about how it's a women's cravens and eunuchs who, you know, tend to use poison to assassinate. And then right away, uh, Pycelle automatically switches gears and mentions Varys at the thought that it could have been poison. Which I thought was kind of a mistake. And I I don't recall in the books, is Pycelle so mistrustful of Varys? Oh, yeah. yeah. All of the small council are are constantly trying to throw shade on each other. You get this with Baelish, Viserys, and Pycelle. They're constantly making disparaging remarks about one another. I'm pretty sure that is in the books. I don't remember specifically, but I think it is. Hmm. Yeah, Yeah, it's interesting. That's what I was saying before Pycelle. I'm sorry, I got a bit of echo. I'm hearing echo. Yeah. Can we, um, yeah. What were you saying, YD? Um, I was just going to say, sort of to build on what Chicky was saying, it's interesting in the previous scene with Ned and the small council how you see him sort of look around at the end and re- he's kind of coming to the realisation that he's not amongst friends and this really is kind of a <laughs> a den of hostility and, and one-upmanship and I guess that's I, I really enjoy the small council scenes. I think all the actors are actually brilliant and they really are... Uh, I don't know. I guess I enjoy the antagonism and the, and the underlying hostility. Yeah. Um, Does somebody else want to add something? Or? I was just going to say that I don't know why John Aaron has to be so vague. He knows he's dying. The seed, <laughs> the seed is strong. Like, why not just say the kids are Jamie's? Well, he was saying it to Pyro right? Like, <laughs> just spit it out. Yeah, no, it, it, it's it's yeah. ridiculous because I think in the books I feel like Robert is like at John Aaron's bedside when he's dying. He's there and he could have told him and he just doesn't. It's so irritating. Oh, I just God. feel like maybe he probably as you're dying you maybe don't have the cognitive capacity to uh to make sense. And I think there were was well, someone mentioned in the episode something about how last words really have any sort of meaning was that in the episode or am I just making that up I'm not sure. no I think you're, I think it is <laughs> no in the episode yeah. no I think it is 
Yeah. So that's obviously their way of trying to explain that away. It's still stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's still working. Maybe at, the, maybe at this told point, him. George didn't really know who was who really poisoned John Aaron whenever he was writing it, maybe? Yeah, I'm not sure that he did. Yeah, <laughs> personally. I just want to give a shout out to um, Pycelle's office. To his office was nice. <laughs> pretty nice. It's pretty nice. Nice plants and bottles. That's what i there was another neat little thing in that um, scene with Ned and, and Pycelle where Pycelle gets a little dig in at Ned where he's talking about how the book wouldn't be of any interest to him. You know, it has a lot of big words. I'm not going to lie, I enjoyed that. Um, <laughs> but also they, when they're talking about the book, what's it called? The, the lineages and, and histories of the great houses of the Seven Kingdoms or something like that. And it really sounds like the recently released World of Ice and Fire to me. A ponderous <laughs> read, Puzzle says. <laughs> Accurate. Oh, dig. Accurate. So half of the no book one's going to argue with you, dude. History. Yeah. I, I hope you all look forward yeah. to that close the door episode when we cover that. <laughs> it won't be. It won't be as ponderous. Hopefully. 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 <laughs> So uh, the next bit is of Arya, and she's practicing her her steps and her, I guess, water dancing. Um, she tells Ned that the next day she's going to go catch cats, and she seems to be happy and doing well with Sirio. Um, she asks about Bran and how he can no longer be a knight on the King's Guard because, well, he doesn't have use of his legs. Arya asks um, if she could be a lord. Ned laughs at that and tells her no, she'll be a lady and mother. And then she just says simply, no, that's not me. Yeah. And then goes back to practice. Arya's just like, get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, I think this is a book scene. This is a book scene, I feel like. I think this is pretty much a, a straight up book scene. And it's a good one. One of, one of Ned's really big redeeming qualities is that he does love all of his kids. He loves every single one of them, and he loves his daughters a lot, which is nice in Westeros to see. Yes, it is. It's nice to see him treating them as human beings. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm sure he sees Lyanna and Arya, too, you know, like... Oh, has That's to. got a way on him. Has to, yeah. yeah. Well, and he knows that yeah. it almost like it seems like he knows how to relate to Arya better um, with Sansa. Like, I mean, when he bought her the doll. And he was yeah, like, oh, yeah. Which is so funny because yeah. I think he and Sansa are so much alike. They are. <laughs> Same level of naivete for sure. Mm, oh. yeah. um, so the next uh, next scene is John and he's standing watch at the top of the wall. Sam comes up to join him. And he says, oh, he can't see very well. He can't fight. And he's afraid of heights. <laughs> John is like, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> we learn a little bit about Sam's dad at this point and how he disowned him for his perceived shortcomings. And he also had threatened him that if he didn't take the black, he was going to have a hunting accident, quote unquote. Sam, John Bradley does such a tremendous job in this scene. I think he is just so earnest and ashamed and heartbroken. And it's really devastating to watch him tell John that essentially my dad didn't want me. No one wanted me. And the fact that his father didn't want him to the extent that he would have had him killed rather than allow him to inherit is, is so devastating. And John Bradley's face in this scene and, and the tremble in his voice, just the way 
he moves. It's all amazing to me. I think he did an amazing job. And I hear um, that this was John Bradley's first job out of his acting school, much oh like gosh. Amelia. Yeah. Um, and, in fact, I think he got it before he even graduated. Um, so, yeah, I think he does an amazing job with well, Sam. Well, Amelia, yeah. I can believe. No, sorry. <laughs> oh, no. Kyle. Kyle started. <laughs> them, them you know what's funny that? about that? Do you know what? what's funny about that? I remember when I first watched the show, I actually thought John Bradley was terrible. I, I love oh. him now, but I actually didn't love his take he on has... him to begin with. Gonna... I was remembering that as I was watching this episode. I'm going to back you up because I agree. Um, like watching these first scenes with him, I thought it was kind of weak. Um, yeah. He's a hell of a lot better now. Um, and I'm gonna yeah, I don't know if it's just that I warmed up to his interpretation of Sam or what it is. I mean, I'm fine with it now. I'm, I'm, I'm great. I think he's great. I mean, he's he's a really cool guy. Anytime you see him interviewed or anything, but I remember being like cringy during these scenes. I was remembering it as I was rewatching. Like, oh, it was a little maybe bit different for me because I saw the show first and I didn't read the books until season three. Yeah, yeah. So. so did I. But like, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a little overdone. Um, now he's a little more subtle. I think it was just a little too whimpery. That's just me. Although fun. it's so good, though they, they they do have amazing chemistry, Kit and John, and and that does help really sell this whole thing. I, I think that is one. They really do, and that is really thing. important because, right? I think that's really important because obviously their relationship is is one of the the very important relationships, I guess, in the book, and it's it's one of my favorite relationships. So I think you're right. I think their chemistry yeah. is spot on. Uh, okay oh, yeah. and also we do we do get john smiling in this in this scene so that's john's laughing quota for the season <laughs> yeah I think <laughs> that's, how they, that's how they end the scene right like sam tells yeah john, they, they kind gonna... of share a joke he says yeah he's like i'm not gonna get any better you know at fighting and john says well you can't get any worse and then they true. laugh <laughs> <laughs> true facts yeah uh, next bit is with Baelish and Ned, and um, Ned, this scene, this line was so weird. Baelish says, "I hear you're reading a boring book." Like, who comes up to somebody and says that? <laughs> and, uh, well, I mean, every Baelish. time I come I across someone, does. every time I come across someone reading *The World of Ice and Fire*, I say the same thing. <laughs> God, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't help it. Again, look forward to that episode. I'll be covering that in a January, I believe. <laughs> No, it's this Put it in your calendars now, week. people. Is it sooner than that? Are we doing that sooner? When are we doing that up? It doesn't matter. Anyway. What, the 23rd? It's 23rd of December. Oh, it? fuck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Ned says... <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> so Pycelle has a big mouth, Ned says, and uh, Littlefinger gives Ned information about John Aaron's squire, Sir Hugh. And how he was knighted immediately after John Aaron's death. Um, Ned asks why share this, and he gives uh, Baelish gives a knowing smile. I don't know if you guys caught that. It doesn't say anything. Uh, info. He's. I don't know what the fuck I wrote here. Uh, info. He's giving. <laughs> he says he's giving it to him because um, he promised Cat to help Ned. And as they strolled through the garden, um, he points out at all the spies. Littlefinger tells him. Um, to send someone he trusts to speak with John Aaron Squire and visit a certain armory. And he sends Jory. 
I love it when he's pointing out all the spies. I'm like 90% convinced that none of those people were actually spies. It was just Littlefinger having <laughs> a really true. big laugh. Me <laughs> too. I legitimately thought that Littlefinger was just mocking him. <laughs> like, you know, see that little boy over there? Spy. That scepter? Spy. <laughs> that dog over there? Spy. Cheese. <laughs> spy. <laughs> Oh, I also love the oh, well, love and hate. The little finger in this scene gives Ned every damn opportunity not to be a damn idiot. He blatantly tells him not to trust him. And yet, poor stupid dead Ned. Oh. Well, isn't that the best of the of the dumb Ned memes is <laughs> little finger. Don't trust little finger. Trust little finger. <laughs> <laughs> it was That's a really good idea. strategy for Littlefinger. It was a good strategy because it, it totally was. worked on it. Was. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, to be fair, low bar because Ned's just not that bright. But yeah, I mean, you know, tell someone you shouldn't trust anyone. Don't trust me. And then they're going to think, well, maybe they're telling me the truth. Maybe I can trust them. Or at least <laughs> Ned would think that. It's been widely. This whole episode is basically people starting to give Ned an out from doing, like, the absolute stupidest thing and Ned continuing to do the absolute stupidest thing. (laughs) Ned gets a lot of love. A lot of people like Ned. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I like Ned. I like Ned. Right, he's not. He's just not very clever. (laughs) So, um, Jory likes Ned. Jory Castle. (laughs) And uh, I know, I think, was it last episode you guys were all fawning over Benjen? Well, I would just like to take a minute to uh, appreciate Jory because I, I kind of had the hearts for Jory. <laughs> you can Am have I, him a lot. You can have he's him. Not, I, I can have Jory. Yeah, you're alone. Oh, great. I'll take him. He's okay. He's not bad. Come on. Anyway, Jory, um, no, I can't fawn over him that much, but I like him. Um, so he goes to speak with Sir Hugh, and he's treated rather rudely. Um, he refuses, the Sir Hugh refuses to speak with him, and then he tells Ned that when he, when they're on the way up uh, Steel Street to visit this blacksmith. Um, we meet Gendry for the first time. Gendry! Yeah. And he's in an apron, sweating and dirty, just the way a lot likes him. <laughs> mm. If only Jory mm-hmm. was a blacksmith. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Ned asks uh, Gendry about John's visit, and he asks him about his work and if he's treated well, and about his mother. This is very weird. Anyway, he says, oh, she had yellow hair and she would sing to him. And she's dead, apparently. Uh, Ned tells the blacksmith to send Gendry to him if he ever wants to wield a sword because he can kind of see these light bulbs going off for Ned that this is Robert's bastard. And outside he tells Jory this. So, any thoughts about that before we go on to the next scene? So I kind of thought Sir Hugh of the Vale is hot, actually. He reminds me a lot of Paul Bettany. (laughs) I don't know who that is. Um... Uh, oh gosh, um, he's in A Knight's Tale, he's the albino in the stupid Tom Hanks movie. Um, oh, Powder? No, the, the <laughs> religious one. That's the only albino movie I know. <laughs> powder? <laughs> I just the Da Vinci, Da Vinci Code, that's it. Da Vinci Code? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I was really hoping it was Powder. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Moving on. 
Um, so let's see. Oh, uh, the next scene is Jamie, and he's standing outside of King Robert's door. Uh, he's obviously in his chambers working on making some more bastards. Um, <laughs> Jory, <laughs> no Robert. Jory comes in to deliver a message for um, Jamie to give to the king. Um, Jamie asks Jory uh, to guess how many women are in there with King Robert. And uh, says he likes to make Jamie listen while he um, insults his sister. Um, the door opens. A hair, uh, a hair, a whore pops out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jory tells Jamie they've met before. Um, and then they just kind of uh, share war stories a little bit. And it was at the Battle of the Pike uh, where he almost lost an eye. Which, Aww, oh, foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> um, they started getting on after that. And uh, after they're, you know, talking about the Pike, um, they hate Greyjoys, but they like Beric Dondarrion. Jamie um, mentions Theon. And uh, Jory calls him a good boy. And <laughs> like when Jory just replies, doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie has always been pretty perceptive. Yeah. Right. Two more whores come out. And uh, Jory asks if he can leave the message with Jamie. And then Jamie's like full on Stark here. And he says, I don't serve Lord Stark. And with that, Jory leaves. This is a great little scene. I, it's interesting to watch the the camaraderie between Jamie and Jory when they're sort of sharing their war stories, considering what happens in the next episode. Um, mm. You know, where Jamie kills him, no spoilers, all the spoilers. But, yeah, I mean, it just goes to show, for me, I was kind of thinking about how brutal this world is that they live in, where you can kind of have a nice little chat with someone one day and then stab them through the eye the next. <laughs> Only Jamie, only Jamie. <laughs> this also has my favorite Robert line ever in the background, where he's yelling out to, to one of the girls, I bet you taste like blackberry jam. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even want to, yeah, I don't even want to. Oh, that was improv. Ugh. So gross. I gotta ask, why did the horse keep running out of the room? Was it just to show yeah. how many were in there? Yes, it's just, I, oh. it was kind of comical. I think it was supposed to be. Yeah, a bit of I mean, just it was like a clown car of horse. Yeah, <laughs> like right. A clown right? car. <laughs> <laughs> how many can we fit inside? <laughs> oh God. So uh, John is the next scene, and he joins his brothers in the dining hall, and Pippin and Gren are there. And they try to tease Sam, and then John immediately goes back into defending Sam and tells them that they will not beat up on him. Rast says he's going to do whatever Thorne tells him to do. And then in the night, John um, recruits Ghost and uh, threatens Rast when he's in bed. So he's like... Mm. Yeah, and then the next day in the yard, it seemed to have worked because Ras kind of half-acidly tries to attack Sam. And Thorne knows that John, uh, John's behind it, and he's pretty pissed. And that's the end of that scene. It is what it is. I do think Gren does an awesome I mean, job of flopping. <laughs> he does, yeah. He really sells it. Yeah, these are these scenes are interesting. I mean, it, it's cool that they include it and that they're giving this much backstory. But yeah, that there is kind of a feeling of padding about this episode. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff it's, in here. Yeah, it's kind of weird though of... when you look at it. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. 
No, no, you go ahead. I was going to say, it's weird to see this episode through the lens of having just seen season four, though, because you see, you know, there's a lot of people in this episode that you don't see again until season four, really. You know, Alistair Thorne, Jano Slint, you know, you see Gren and Pip's storyline coming to an end. Um, Rast is a big character in season four. So it's just kind of interesting how that happened. And I wonder, seeing it after season three, if it would have the impact that it does after four. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Uh, So the next scene is the scene I was thinking of with uh, Viserys, and he's it's dragging Illyri, is it not? It's not Doria, it's Illyri. Is that the one he's dragging by the No, he's dragging Doria. Oh, it's it's Doria. Doria, 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 Dorito. 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 He's dragging Dory. Dory for finding Nemo. I like slightly different personality, but yeah. (laughs) Anyway, he's he's dragging her by the hair into Danny's tent and he's pretty insulted that she was uh that he was summoned to her. Um, she dismisses her handmaidens and then tells him she wasn't commanding him. She just wanted to invite him for supper. He's not thrilled with her gifts, and then he smacks her. She fights back and smacks him across the face with that um, belt, that metal belt, and then promises that if he ever lays hands on her again, it will be the last time he has hands. Guys, the only thing that I can think of when I see this scene is that bad lip reading of I Game know, of Thrones that's on YouTube. <laughs> like, I was literally watching it and thinking, I was like, you know, talking over it. At least I never kissed Johnny Schatzman. Yeah. He was a Capricorn. He was a Capricorn. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and that happens a lot this first season because yeah, of that does. damn movie trailer. <laughs> it really Yeah, does. it happens it happens at the twenty later as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had that same thought too. <laughs> I just yeah. think about I mean, how horrible is, this series would have been at Christmas. Oh, he oh, didn't uh, like his gifts. <laughs> <laughs> You'd know it. You'd know it. <laughs> I'm going to actually defend Amelia Clark in this scene, too. Surprise, surprise. I liked her in this scene. I well, because she too. actually I, is I acting they... with good people. Yeah, I think she, I think both she and uh, uh, is it Harry Lloyd um, both did yeah. quite a good job in this scene. Harry Lloyd gives some really wonderful reaction shots when Danny finally stands up to him. He, he's kind of looking <laughs> completely stunned and, and even a little bit vulnerable. I, I did enjoy that. And, yes, I think both he and Amelia did a good job in this scene, actually. Yeah, he, he's a delight yeah. to watch. I love watching him. Yeah, you know, he's great. I really I really think the casting was great because Harry Lord and Amelia Clark, they kind of look like they could be brother and they sister, totally especially they, with, like, they do. Their, their hair, their wigs and everything. Yeah. Yeah, that did a good job with that. Okay, um, the next bit is John and Sam again. And he uses the term Sally on the side. Sam. I noticed that! <laughs> What's up with the Sally? <laughs> like we had Catlin, Catlin last week talking about back alley back Sally. Alley That's Sally. Clearly, a, clearly a thing in Westeros. Okay, <laughs> Although, okay, next person who writes canon fic has to have a whore <laughs> named Sally in it. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so um, they're speaking about celibacy, and uh, they both like girls. Um, in case you're maybe wondering that maybe they are gay, they seem to have to throw that in there. <laughs> Just, so we're not shipping Sam and John. Well, apparently they like girls. So <laughs> we've got so many ships. I know. John uh, almost did Ross, apparently, and um... wait. <laughs> What? Well, that did Ross. 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 <laughs> did Ross. Ross. 
Who's from friends. I, I like that they actually like that they made a point of saying that uh, when John's describing Ros and he's talking about a red hair, it's like John has a type, doesn't he? He really likes the red Redheads and boobs. They like boobs. And boobs. That's pretty interesting, though. <laughs> Sam asks why he uh, didn't go through with it. And uh, John tells Sam he didn't want to get her pregnant. And uh, um, I like to think it's, I'm pretty sure whores know how to take care of that. But They I, probably do, yeah. What I like <laughs> most about this scene is that um, it's such a... It's such an accurate sort of teenage boy talk that John and Sam are having. Like, I found it quite charming, despite the fact that the actors kind of look like they're in their early 20s at least. Um, It's kind of this interesting juxtaposition to the very adult situation that they're in, you know, being men of the night's watch. But these two are still very much boys in many ways and, you know, you kind of know that they're going to have to grow up very quickly if they want to survive. So it's just a, a nice little contrast, I thought, between them being all boyish and joking about sex and and the really stark, serious situation that they're actually in. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah, and- it's, a, it's a weird setting for a conversation about V-cards and stuff. It is interesting that they're, yes. they're so, so boy-like. So yeah. I don't think John knew where to put it. I think this whole, I didn't want a bastard, is totally a lie. <laughs> yeah. So here's the question I had watching the scene was, so John's with Roz. Are you, I'm assuming that Rob came with her or with them, and we don't have Rob having some scene talking about how he didn't go through with it. So I'm going to assume Rob wasn't a virgin based on this. But, but it, <laughs> King of the North, it was his first time. But we don't know that. How does mom know? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> My son was that with the back alley Sally. Clearly, <laughs> I'm just going to say he probably was. I mean, I know I Canon, of, I he wasn't, of, but in the show. I kind of feel like it might have been Theon that pushed John and Ross together. Theon seems to offer see Ross Theon and John hanging out? Everyone. He's like, no, I can't. I really can't. They hate each other. <laughs> yeah. Right, like they wouldn't just go bro out or anything. <laughs> they wouldn't have a, a threesome with a whore, is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, you don't do that with just anybody. No. <laughs> yeah. So, so you think John and Rob more likely with with Rose? Yeah. Yeah, or <laughs> Rob and Theon. Either either three either threesome. Wow. Okay, that's yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Thorn <laughs> yeah. interrupts uh, Sam and John's horseplay, and uh, he shares. Uh, some uh, a story about the north and the last winter he was in and how you'd lose a finger if you pulled your hand out to hold your cock take a piss and um they talk about how the horses go first and then he alludes to cannibalism uh he tells sam that they would have loved a chubby little boy like him to eat and uh they would have lasted a fortnight with him (laughs) And just in case you guys don't know, a fortnight is two weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> what? That is brand new information. for <laughs> 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 some people. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that scene. Did anyone think this was like the Night's Watch equivalent of, we had to walk uphill both ways. Yes, <laughs> it totally was. Shut up. 
And it, you know, this is a this is a show invention. This story, like, there's nothing in the books. I don't think that indicates that Sir Alistair actually went on this ranging mission. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't recall that from the books. I have no um, idea. It's cold. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like it was a, a kind of nice little. Um, thing to slot in here and honestly I'm just a big fan of uh, the guy who plays Alistair what's his name Owen Teal Owen Teal yeah yeah I think he's amazing so it's funny he brings um not not so much a humanity to Sir Alistair but you can almost kind of get on board with what he's saying despite the fact that he's a huge asshole you kind of say you know it's his job to train up these men these boys to be men he he does have to be harsh with them um and yes he doesn't really go about it in the right way um look at the people he's dealing with like it's a shitty job and you're dealing with shitty people like i'd be a huge asshole too (laughs) kind of like denzel washington and remember the titans I've never seen that. <laughs> I'll take I'll your take word for it. I'm just going to make yeah. random movie references. <laughs> this is the this podcast. Power. <laughs> you know, this scene kind of reminded me of Fifty Shades of Grey. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so the next scene is uh, Danny and Jorah. And uh, Jorah asks if Danny wants to see her brother on the throne. Um, she was told that the people of Westeros were sewing dragon flags together and praying for his return. She tells Dor- Jorah that she all she wants is home and Viserys can't lead an army and he'll never get them home. Mm. It's a short scene. Is this one of those times in the books where she's thinking of that house with the red door? I think so. Anyone? Probably, yeah. Uh, I was, was kind of expecting it on rewatch, but yeah, no, she doesn't mention it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I got to say, they really did a good job with the way that they interpreted Danny's, especially this book, A Game of Thrones, into the TV show. Because they really did just kind of pick the highlights and kind of keep her, you know, right on track with everything. And and you, you see her definitely realizing how stupid Viserys is and how unlikely it is that he could ever pull off what he thinks he can pull off. And it's, it's really, it really is very good the way that they did it. I think so too. It's it's like, she's getting pulled out of that isolation. Like she's very isolated with him. And now that she's like experiencing new people and she's seeing another perspective, like how others might be seeing her brother. Yeah. I thought they did that well too. Yeah. And it's, you know, she's realizing how that she doesn't even need to fear him anymore too. At the same time, it's, it's, it is, it is really well done. I think Danny is one of the, people who have been best served by the show. I think they've done I agree. probably the best job uh, interpreting Danny. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, for this season, I agree with you. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like season uh, four was, was really good yeah. for Danny. Second season. Yeah. I mean, despite, oh, second season. <laughs> despite the fact that I have issues with Amelia Clark's acting in certain places, in many places, um, yeah, I do think no. that Danny is a character. Yeah. I think they're doing her a great service actually throughout the show. And I don't feel the same way about many other characters. So yeah. Okay, I'm going to remind you of this conversation. We review the second season episode. We all know about the second season. <laughs> God damn We it. all know season two. <laughs> we know there are issues. <laughs> we know there are issues. Yes. Dragons. Yeah. Dragons. <laughs> Okay, uh, so we are at the Tournament of the Hand. Um, Sansa catches Joffrey's eye, and he does not smile at her. And then Littlefinger comes in and says, lovers quarrel. He sits beside her, they make small talk, and then Arya, this is funny right away, asks him, why do they, why do they call you Littlefinger? <laughs> She's immediately shushed. Mm-hmm. Um, 
King Robert is drunk and ser- uh, surly, and he's like, you get on with the joust. Cersei leaves. Um, we get our first glimpse of the mountain, and he's he's going against Sir Hugh of the Vale in the joust. This is Mountain Mountain 1.0. One mountain 1, yes. Right. Yeah. Um, it's short. <laughs> it's a short joust, because uh, Sir Hugh is gorged right through the neck with the mountain's lance, and he dies. Littlefinger tells Sansa about the Hound and the Mountain at this point and a little bit of their backstory and how the Hound came by his scars. It's quite a horrible story. Um, this is one of those things that was a big controversy, apparently. Yeah. People still talk about it. Really? They're still angry. I don't know. Well, because in the books, it's Sander who tells Sansa this, and it's not okay. Peter Baelish. And they oh. took it from was... Sander and gave it to Baelish. Yeah, I've got to say, I feel like it was infinitely more powerful in the books. But I do understand that the show has its limitations, and you know they'd have to, I guess, set up another scene. And I feel like they probably wanted to get the story of, of the Hound in the Mountains uh, before they fight in the next episode. So I can understand why they did it. Um, I don't think it had as much impact as it did in the books. And, yes, I do remember um, that there was controversy and still is controversy about about this fact. Well, the only thing I can think of why they had Littlefinger finger tell Sansa is they wanted to establish that they wanted to really show that Littlefinger is, is interested in Sansa earlier on. Yeah. He's, he's like mm-hmm. Pettifinger. And, <laughs> but um, um, wasn't didn't Rory didn't he audition with like he did like a script that he was pretty much talking about how he got the scar wasn't that on his audition tape? Yeah, that's part of the reason why people were so upset is that he did audition uh, with that speech and they didn't they didn't actually use it. Oh, wow. maybe yeah. they didn't like it. No, I'm just joking. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't remember. Uh, I would have to look it up. I can't remember what the thing was, but I think they had intended to do it and just couldn't get it pulled off. I, I don't know what it was, but yeah, it was one of those. They didn't, because um, I was listening with commentary, they didn't really specify in the commentary why they decided to go this way, other than the fact that they would have to set up another scene. Um, so presumably it's some sort of, well, I mean, who knows whether they're telling the truth or not, but yeah, some sort of filming limitation, I guess, or cost issue. I saw GS trying to jump in earlier, too. Oh, I was just going to make another, this is going to be another obscure movie reference, but this is probably one of, I was just watching this this afternoon, and it was probably one of my favorite things I've ever seen on Game of Thrones, because when Peter's done telling her, the camera doesn't focus in on Sansa for reaction. Actually, Aiden Gillen moves out of the screen. <laughs> he slowly slides out of the screen. Wow. So it's just like... um. It's just like there's a scene in The Wedding Singer where... Oh! <laughs> John Lovitz. Where John Lovitz is watching on the wedding and it looks just like that. I know which one you mean. I do, too. I'm so I love happy. The Fine. That is totally what it was yeah, based on. A movie I've seen. So we could yeah. maybe just say they were having issues this day and just... Yeah, yes. It wasn't a good day. Well, another another issue I have with this scene is where are all the damn people? Like they just mentioned earlier in the episode, there are supposed to be huge crowds of people in King's Landing for this <laughs> tournament, and you know that <laughs> they're fighting in the streets and they're just overwhelmed. But you know, apparently, barely any of them made it down uh, for the tournament. Too, like, yes, they're too busy making. I know why. Morning. As I say, they're too busy making whores bow legged. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> 
But yeah, I mean, look, think again, it, I understand yeah. that this would be super expensive for filming, but I just yeah. feel like it, it was such a, a weak turnout. It looked like there were maybe 30 people yeah. watching on. Yeah, I, totally. If you knew that the mountain was going to be jousting against another person, wouldn't you want to see that? Maybe the I speaker. would. No, it's like Alabama <laughs> versus some like directional school. You know he's going <laughs> to kick his ass. So you're just going to skip that round. <laughs> Or maybe the. I feel like I'm missing some sort of American reference. You are. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about the rest of the world. (laughs) It's okay, Whitey. I didn't really get it either. I just pretended. Oh, thanks. Thanks, dude. (laughs) Maybe the beer is too expensive because I went to a Maple Leafs game recently, and that that would deter me from going to another. (laughs) Right. Maybe the hot concession prices are too high. Yeah, the hot dogs at the tournament were, you know, like twenty five dollars each. Twenty five gold dragons each. Yeah, fuck that. Twenty five gold dragons, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they also don't have the great book, the classic book scene of Jamie getting toppled and having his um, helm stuck I to know, his. I know. I know. So sad about that. But they make mention of it. It's not in this episode because they make mention of it. Like it happened at another tournament, wasn't? Was that in the last episode? Because that's how he <gasps> won the the dagger, right? Lord Peter Bayless. Yeah, that, just yeah, that he lost, but not that he like made an ass of himself. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny the way that it is in the books. It's too bad they couldn't work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so the next scene is of Cersei and Ned. Um, Cersei says that she would like to make amends with Ned, and she tells she calls him a soldier and says, "You only are trained, and all you do is follow." And then he tells her that he was also trained to kill his enemies, and she replies, "As was I." Short scene. That's it. Yeah, this is this is interesting. This scene. Um, I don't know. The impression I get is that Cersei comes in, and she's kind of trying to offer a truce in a way I mean in her manipulative way um, because clearly she she's heard about what Ned's doing and is, is concerned that he's gonna discover her secret and then when Ned doesn't really respond well to her saying you know oh you know I, we probably I probably overreacted about the whole lady incident and we, we do what we can to protect our children um, Cersei then kind of switches on the the nastiness she kind of gets down to business and and uh, they had that little exchange about being trained to kill their enemies. So it was just interesting to see the way that Cersei kind of turns so quickly. And I think that's kind of indicative of Cersei's character. We've talked about it before when we were doing the book chapters about how she tries to, she kind of always tends to rely on her uh, manipulative skills um, to start with. Um, although with Cersei, it's often a, in a sexual way, but I guess she figured in, in with Ned, that's not really going to cut it because of, you know, of Ned's great love for Robert. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And his dead, dead sister. <laughs> and I said right. the podcast. <laughs> so that's all I have to do. No. Anyway, moving along. Oh. So the next scene is the inn at the crossroads, and we have Catelyn and Roderick. They're at a table, and this singer, is this Seven Tom? Marillion! No, it's Marillion. Marillion, yeah. yeah. And you guys, was that supposed to be Masha Heddle? Is that? Yes, that, I think yeah? it was. Yeah. 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 Masha, 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 Masha. Oh, man, I didn't make that connection. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, what's happening? Oh, so Marilyn, did you say? Marillion, I think. Yeah. I, GRM names. I mean, who the hell knows what it's supposed to be? <laughs> well, it's after a, it's it's after a British Bob. singer. 
Named after what? It's the, he's named after well, I, there's a British singer named Marillion who's kind of annoying, and I think that's who he's either named after or <laughs> yeah. GRM claims that he's not named after him, but something, clearly he is. Of course, something to you. So a little bit of passive aggressiveness from GRM. <laughs> Absolutely, oh, you never see that from him. Uh, uh, anyway, so Marillion is pestering uh, Catelyn and Roderick. And then we see Tyrion enter, and um, he's told immediately that the inn is full. He bops a coin on a chair and asks if there's anything they can remedy the situation. A man, Bronn, um, tells him he can have his room, and he says, clever man. The musician offers to sing to Tyrion about Lord Tywin, and <laughs> Tyrion says, that'll ruin my supper. And then Tyrion sees Catelyn. Catelyn rises says she was Catelyn Tully the last time she was here. And then she starts calling out all of the allies in the room that are of her father, her father's allies, Bracken's phrase. Catelyn turns on Tyrion, calls upon the men in the room to seize him. Swords are drawn and pointed at Tyrion. And that's the end of the episode. So speaking of audition scenes, this was the scene that Michelle Fairley auditioned with, apparently. And apparently she'd knocked it out of the park there. And I think she knocks it out of the park here. I think she she did a brilliant job with this. Yeah. How to Start a War yeah. by Catelyn Tolley. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Right. I'm not saying that she made a wise choice. I'm just saying <laughs> no, 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 acting no, no, wise, no, no, she did no, a brilliant no. job. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I do think it was it was fairly um, similar to the book scene. I haven't read it for a while, but it, it rang fairly true to me. And I love that they already have the phrase in their stupid hats. Like, they're already, like, <laughs> obviously recognizable as phrase. Yeah. They're such a doofus. I did. <laughs> yeah. I did really enjoy that about this scene, actually, that, the fact that you got to see a few of the different houses and their sigils. I, I don't know. I like that kind of stuff. So I enjoyed that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And, you know, we get to see, uh, what was it, we, the uh, Jonas Bracken's Men who we talk about Jonas quite a bit in the in the last couple of book chapters, um, and then we have oh what is it Harren Hall, um, Lady Wentz. Went. Re- yeah. Remind me, I don't I do not remember Lady Went at all. Yeah, she's she's killed early. I think she's killed a little bit later in a Game of Thrones. Actually, well, I mean not on the show, but yeah. in the book. Hmm. But then oh, okay. Catelyn's mom is a Went. Is she? Oh. Yeah, she? so Sansa's in theory, Sansa could be the heiress to Winterfell, Riverrun, and Harrenhal. Damn. And Harrenhal, wow, that's interesting. Oh, no wonder she's so sought after. <laughs> okay, so that's it. Uh-huh. Um, do we have any questions for this yeah. last week? Um, <laughs> not so much. We did get, we did get a, a fairly uh, interesting one a couple of weeks ago from from Valor Fairy who asks Nedbert or Kaisel. <laughs> and I'm oh, like, dude, don't make me choose. Oh, no, that's easy for me. I'm all about the Nedbert. You're tearing me apart. <laughs> yeah, I think I got to go Nedbert. 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 All the Nedbert. Way. Nedbert. Oh well, I'm gonna choose. cave. I'm gonna I'm gonna cave to peer pressure then and go. Nedbert. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've got a consensus. Yeah, yay! We're not, we're not called crossing right, swords was the... for nothing. <laughs> um, although after I this know. episode, I'm feeling Pip and Gren a little bit. Me too. Oh. I, I wish. To be fair, I'm, to be fair, I'm, I'm always kind of <laughs> considering Pip and Gren. I kind of like that. I wouldn't be averse it. to that pairing. Um, <laughs> we 
have we have some. I can oh well I, actually Eon came up with an interesting thought a couple of weeks ago, which is while the events of this episode are happening, what do you think Brienne is doing? Where is she and what is she doing? Moon oh, I guess she's at Storm's Inn. Friendly. <laughs> well, I have like what's that? I have a canon version. I have a canon. Well, she wouldn't version. be at Storm's End yet because Renly oh. hasn't. Renly's um, yeah. Said Renly's she, in the council. So she's at she's at she's at Storm's End before Renly or while Renly's in King's Landing. Well, oh, she is. She's moon mm-hmm. masturbating, thinking about Renly. Yeah. <laughs> she's sad, <laughs> drawing hearts around Renly's pictures. She totally right is. But the thing is, I mean, do you are you talking about canon Brienne? Are you talking about show Brienne? Because for me, show Brienne, she's just coming back from a road trip in Essos. She's been hanging out with Pretty Maris. (laughs) She's been in the fighting pits of Marine right now, upping her kill count right now. That's what she's doing right now. She just got back. That explains a lot. Yeah, it all makes sense. That does explain a lot. That does explain a lot. She's got the bloodlust. I know. Book book canon, I think she's at Storm's End at this point. We know she's at Storm's End before um, Renly calls his banners. Um, so, yeah. So what is she doing at Storm's End? It's not really clear. There are theories that she might have been being fostered or basically like a squire there unofficially, but I kind of think she just ran away from home after her last failed betrothal, personally. Wow. So she's kind of just Blind hanging date. out, hanging out at the yeah. castle. I mean, she's 16. She's the age that a boy would go on his kind of grand tour. So uh, that's yeah. kind of kind of she my was, theory. She was probably hanging out with Sir Courtney Pimrose. She oh, was, yeah. yeah, they, yeah he yeah. knows her very well, and he knows her because she yeah. spent time at Storm's End. Uh-huh. Awesome. I like she's stealing Renly's shirts from his closet and sleeping with them at yeah. night. You know it. Totally. She's smelling He's them. Wearing... She's smelling them. Yeah, He's pretty much. Pad shirts. Yeah. <laughs> his green plaid tunics. <laughs> she has a she has they a They would be green. They would be green. <laughs> they would <Yes>. be <laughs> with stags. <laughs> okay, so uh so that's it for the questions. Do we have thank yous? Yeah. Acknowledge. We do. We have a couple thank yous. Let's see. We have one from Joyous Foley's. It says loved the surprise intro of Crossing Swords loved all of the binge and talk. <laughs> loved the in-depth discussion of Tyrion peeing off the wall. Loved, loved, loved my brand new OTP Yorin X Tyrion, a.k.a. Yorian. It's no longer because Yorin just was like, I'm getting the hell out of here. <laughs> Thank you for always making me smile. Love you all. Oh, um, thanks, Joyce. Yeah. We love you. Thank you. Thank we you. got we got one from Apples Are Happy, aka Alice, our last guest from the podcast. Yeah. She says, "Thank you for having me, ladies. I was awake for twenty four hours and pretty groggy at the end of the oh. podcast, but I do it again in a heartbeat." Hugs, Alice. Thank you for oh, thanks Alice. for being with us. So, uh, yeah, you're yeah, really so excited. sweet. And last, we have one from Quizzical Quinea, and she says, I saw a theory on YouTube regarding Drogo's potential reasons for marrying Danny, and basically it posited that Drogo was trying to to fulfill prophecy by fathering the stallion who mounts the world, or whatever that title thing is, and that Danny's royal bloodline would somehow make that more likely. 
I love it when you guys discuss theories. I'm still a noob in this fandom, so I haven't seen much from stuff like Reddit threads. Is that a theory from that Preston Jacobs guy who comes up with all the crazy theories? (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to know. (laughs) That's just, you just have to put your tinfoil hat on whenever you go into Reddit. (laughs) It's been a while since I've perused Reddit for the theories. My my theories are probably like two years old by this point. So (laughs) now I tend to rehash the same ones over and over again. Oh, (laughs) okay. Um, so one of the things that I'm still asking for, if people are willing to take the time, if you have a favorite moment from our episodes, if you could, um, let me know what number the episode was, uh, what moment and the time code for that. I'm still collecting those. And one of the things I haven't done in a while is I haven't asked you to like us on iTunes or leave a review. So if you could do that, please, that'd be awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah. But we should probably ask if anyone does have, and now that they've probably had a chance to read it, any more questions about the world of Ice and Fire. <laughs> we would clearly will have a lot after this yeah. episode that we're all oh, yeah. so excited for. Yeah, we can questions, that, that joking up. questions, anything. Any questions <laughs> Yeah, about that book, we will take them. And you can send them to us via email. It's uh, closethedoorand at gmail.com. Or you can send us a message on Tumblr at close the door and come here.tumblr.com. And that will bring us to the end of this episode, ladies. So thank Woo-hoo! you for podcasting. Thank you for moderating. Kyle, thanks for joining thank us. You. Everybody doesn't realize yeah, thank Kyle you. stepped in last minute. We love you, dude. Yes, she did, and I'm going to make out with Guile after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Webcam or it didn't happen. <laughs> Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Bye. Bye. Bye.